the living God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. With the little uh, little talk with the youngsters and everything like that, we're going to get into a little more detail, but to kind of set the stage for the message uh, today, we live, in a, we live in a busy time, as you all know. The times just seem to kind of run together. We can't seem to separate days from each other. Time is just flying by. Many times I wake up and I say, oh, what is today, Tuesday, is it Wednesday, or whatever the case might be, and the time just seems to be flying by. Here this is mid-August already. Next thing you know, it'll be Labor Day, then we'll be into Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays and so on. But it is because of our busy lives that it is easy to become complacent. It's easy for us to just take things, take the things of God for granted. We get up in the morning, no time to pray. We eat lunch, and we don't bless our food. And nowadays, God knows that you need to bless your food because you don't know what's going on in the kitchen behind and out of, out of sight and everything like that. We come home from work, and we don't pray, don't have time to pray. We go to bed, and many times we fall asleep without reading the Bible or even praying. We just kind of take life so for granted. We find ourselves doing things that we shouldn't do, and we make excuses that it's okay. We do things that we know we shouldn't be involved in, but we make excuses that it's okay to do it. Well, this is how the sneak sneaks in. This is how the sneak sneaks in. The sneak goes about seeing how he can enter into the lives, how he can get us relaxed and to get us away from God. The sneak makes us hear the word of God and believe that the word of God applies to someone else, but it doesn't apply to us. The sneak makes us think that the things that the Bible says when you read it, you'll say, oh, that sounds like Aunt Tilly. But you don't recognize that maybe the word of God might be sneaking, speaking to you also. The sneak will come in and make you believe that someone that you love is more important than God. The sneak will come in and make you say, well, my husband wants to do this or my, my, my wife wants to do this or my cousin, my niece, my nephew, someone that I know wants, wants to do this. But it's contrary to the word of God. But because you love that person or quote unquote respect that person, the sneak will make you do what that person wants to do rather than what God would have you to do. The sneak comes in and makes you think that you are all important, that you have better sense than God. The sneak will come in and make you believe that just because the things that I see before me make sense, that therefore this must make sense and what the word of God is saying is, un, is untrue or doesn't apply here. The sneak will come in, like I was saying last week about Lazarus there, when our, uh, Martha, Jesus told Martha to roll away the stone, and right away Martha started getting scientific and saying, but wait a minute, now all this time the body that's in there, it must think. It's got to be rotten. She couldn't see beyond the stone that was there. But Jesus told her to roll it away before she could see the miracle. But the sneak will come in and make us, make us believe and think like Martha. That the things that are before me are scientific, scientifically or, or according to physics and so forth, that is what stands. The sneak will make you believe that what God is telling you to do, to roll away the stone from your life that could be hindering you from getting blessings and from seeing what is behind the stone, the sneak will make you stick to what is behind the stone. Or the body stinks, therefore it makes no sense. The sneak is indeed sneaky. The sneak is indeed one that lays traps for us. So to kind of open setting the stage for this, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Go to the book of Ephesians and read some very familiar scriptures here. And I'm not going to get into all of Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And we'll just do verses 10 and 11. Ephesians 6. He is the sneak. He's the ultimate. He's the sneak that has many faces. Many disguises will come before you and stand there looking right at you and you won't recognize him because he is the sneak. Ephesians chapter 6, just starting with verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, be strong, be strong, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Strong meanings, not waffling. Strong means exactly that, to be strong, to be powerful, and know that, and, and understand the power of his might. Not of your might, but the power of his might. In verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You may be able to stand. Stand means standing firm. Standing does not mean waffling. Standing does not mean vacillating back and forth. Standing does not mean putting off and procrastinating. Stand means to plant your feet firmly and make up a decision that this is where I'm going to commit myself to God and stand and I will believe his word. Stand against the wiles of the devil. But that's what I want to talk about, the wiles, because this is the sneak. The wiles of the devil are his plans, are his strategies. It's his sneaky way about going about business to trick you, to get you to believe and think one thing when the word of God is clearly telling you something else. In reading the word of God, if you have a red letter Bible, you'll see the words of red written, the words in red are Jesus. Jesus' direct words. Yes, though the sneak will have you read those things and you will totally discount it because that is one of his wiles. It's one of his strategies to just get you so discombobulated and so relaxed and so complacent that all of a sudden you'll start following what he's telling you to do. The sneak is indeed devious. You go to to Job. It says that to be uh, here, it says to stand against the wiles of the devil. You go to the book of Job. Turning to the book of Job. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The sneak. He is indeed insidious. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, these thin pages here. Thank you, Lord. Go to the book of Job, and we want to go to Job 1. Okay? We're talking about the sneak. There was a man, Job 1, chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For, for Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So in other words, they were going about the usual things, um, celebrating themselves. It was probably like they're talking about birthdays, which are every, every one on his, on his day. So they went on doing their things usually, but he was concerned because he said that around, he thinks that his children and curse God in their hearts. But Job continually loved the Lord. Then in verse number six, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Please underline, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Okay, he says, God says, well, uh, uh, where, whence cometh thou? And he says, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for naught? Or in other words, Satan is saying, saying to God, does Job fear you for no reason? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Hast thou blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. Upon only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Okay, and you know the rest of the story there. His, his family was destroyed, his property, and so on like that. This is showing here how Satan goes about the earth. One of his wiles is to try, he prowls around looking to see who is out there so willing and so easily going to be tempted away from the word of God. 
He goes about this earth looking for who is weak in faith. God has a hedge of protection round about you also. God has, a head of, has his angels round about you to protect you also. But the devil would have you out there thinking that God is nowhere around. Okay, that any minute all sorts of devastation is going to befall me. Or whatever is happening in my life now is just going to escalate and get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Okay, but God is not going to let the devil do that. But he is the sneak. So he will get into your head and he will make you think that he has more power than God. The same way he told God that he was walking about the earth. God knows that Satan is walking about the earth, seeing who he can pervert. Okay, but we as human beings, oftentimes we forget that he is out there trying indeed to destroy us, trying to sneak into our lives and take away the blessings. The word of God speaks uh, further on that. Go to one Peter. One Peter. One Peter. Chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, and let me see, we'll start with, we'll start with verse number 6, 1 Peter 5, verse number 6, the sneak. See, if he was... uh, why does someone sneak in the first place? Because they don't want to be seen. You know, they don't want to be seen. They want to spring a surprise. I don't know how many times I played with the grandchildren. And so even my kids, when they were younger, and I sneak up on them and jest and playing around with them. Hide behind a closet or behind a wall and pop out and say boo and so forth. Well, the devil's no different, except that his intentions, while my intention was for fun and to just play with them, the devil's intention is not to play with you. Mark my words there. But he's the sneak. So looking here, 1 Peter 5, and starting with verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Just underline that for a minute. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. Amen? Because that he may exalt you in due time. God will lift you up and God will indeed exalt you in his season. But we have to assume a a, a, a posture of of humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Underline that, too, if you don't already have an underline. So every care that you have, anything that's going on in your life, to cast it upon you because of the fact that God cares for you. Now, the sneak, first of all, would have you to believe when he whispers into your ear that God doesn't care what's going on or God knows he's just taking his time or God or God or God or God because the sneak wants to get in to get you away from believing, believing God. So the first thing you have to do, which is sometimes many, many times it's difficult to do when there's an issue that's going on in your life, be it sickness, be it financial, be it relationship, whatever it might be. You just want this thing that's bugging you. You want to get this thing off of your head because it's a care. It's a care. And you've got that you are carrying. You've got to get to the point that you say to yourself and you can say to yourself, I don't care. In other words, I'm not going to carry that care. And you're going to look up to the Lord. You're going to say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm casting this care onto you. I'm giving it onto you. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. And why am I doing that? Because I know that you care for me. If you have a child, a son, daughter, a nephew or someone that's that's hurting with something and something is going on in your life and you're telling that child and the child is crying and you walk into the room and the kids in there crying and you ask, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And finally, you know, many times the child might resist, especially as the child starts growing and starts getting older and older. Oh, God forbid they get to those preteen years, <laughs> get to those teen years. And you may be, what's the matter? What's the matter? And they don't want to tell you. But finally, eventually, when they do open up, then you say, you give them the hug and you call them to you and you say, give that to me. Don't worry about that, son. Don't worry about that, daughter. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Well, that's what the loving father, our father in heaven, wants us to, to believe and to understand. That if we're hurting, if we're struggling for something, that we need to bring that care to him. And one of the best things that you can do is when you're in that quiet time in prayer with the Lord and there's something that's really hurting you and troubling you, that you need to, 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 to get into the, into the position that when you're praying there that you can feel this presence and you can kneel at his feet and say, Lord, Heavenly Father, I give this to you. And you will feel him. You'll feel him embrace you. And you know that all is well. 
you know that God has taken this care because he's bigger than you. His shoulders are much broader than yours. He is much more powerful than you. So God will, will, will take that care. But you've got to believe the other part of that for he cares for you. But the sneak will come into your head. The sneak will come into your life and he'll say to you, God doesn't care or God is too busy. There's six billion people on this planet. X percent of them are Christians. X percent of them are born again. God is busy. He can't be in one place at one. He will sow a seed of lie into your spirit. He will sow a seed, seeds of lies into your spirit to the point that, that, that he has now snuck in. He has sneaked into your life. Unawares because, you know, you see, when, when this happened, the sneak doesn't present himself openly. The sneak does not present himself for what he is and who he is. He will just come in very sneakily and just get into that thought. Get into your head and start planting it. And, and like a needle, just getting it in there and just turning it, turning it, turning it as he probes and gets deeper and deeper. He's sneaking in. God says that he cares for you and the sneak will be saying, God doesn't care for you. Just like he said to Eve. Oh, I can't eat of that fruit. Why can't you eat of that fruit? God said, I'll die. Will you surely die? Satan says, Lucifer says to, to, to her. Satan says to her, he, does, he, he, he doesn't want you to eat because he doesn't want you to be as smart as he. That's the sneak. The sneak will get in and make you believe that God is too busy for, to, to care for you. So you cast all of your cares for him upon him. Why? Because his word says, because he cares for you. Verse number eight goes on to say, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may desire, devour. Okay, now that goes back to what we just read in Job, where he said, told God he was walking about the earth. The devil is out there. He's sneaking around to see who he can can uh, devour. But the word of God says to be sober, to be vigilant. In other words, be on your guard. Look out. Look out. Because your adversary, the devil is nothing but your adversary. Satan means accuser of the brethren. He is out there to destroy you. He is out there to turn you away from God. He's out there to steal every single hope and dream and desire that you may have. You have dreams of the future with your family and wonderful things that you want to do, wonderful plans that you want to make. The sneak comes into your life to destroy those dreams. The sneak comes into life to take away the hope from you. The sneak comes into your life to make you think that all things of the future are just darkness and gloom and, and black because there is no hope. There is no hope. Something happens in your life, and instead of us becoming victorious and reaching out to the Lord and claiming the victory, the sneak comes in and says, why bother? You're done with. You're fried. You're cooked. What's that expression? Stick a fork in me because I'm done. All right? Amen? Amen? That's how the sneak operates. But the Word of God says to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the one that's against you, as a roaring lion. Underline that part. As a roaring lion. A lion roars. A lion roars. You walk into his turf or onto his land there where he's the king and so forth like that. He roars. And the roaring is there to do what? To tell you that he's there and to intimidate you. The, the lion gives this, this huge roar, I mean, that is, is frightening. Thank God I've never been around a lion when he was angry and when he decided to roar. But we've all seen enough TV and National Geographic specials where you hear a lion roar and it's a frightening sound. So the lion roars because he wants to intimidate you. The devil does the same thing. He roars. But the way he roars, though, is not a loud sound that you hear because he's the sneak. But he will roar by putting tremendous doubt and fear into your heart. He roars by saying you will fail. He'll, he roars by seeing that dream that you have just collapsing down into dust. He roars by making you believe that someone that you love is a liar. He roars just by coming in and telling you that everything the word of God says to you is a fantasy. He roars and sneaks into your life by saying, how can you believe someone that you cannot see? He roars by telling you that Jesus Christ was a myth. He roars by having someone write a book back in the 60s, um, the, 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 the Passover plot, it was called. Where this author had this, this, this scheme that the whole thing of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, he was put up there and then he was, when they gave him the sponge with the vinegar in it, that he was given a drug. And the drug put him into a death-like state. state. And when they took him down and then hours later he was revived. And that like the Bible says, the disciples stole the Bible, stole the body away. The devil roars by making people believe that. The devil roars by telling you, you want to get, to get out there today because, because you, 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 there's danger out there. Your job is going to collapse. 
Your car's going to blow up. Your house is going to burn down. He roars, but then he sneaks in and then he tells you that there's no hope for you. That thing about angels encamping about you to keep you safe. Can you see them? Do you see them? He's sneaking into your head and he's just causing you to, to doubt everything that God is saying. So when he roars to intimidate, to intimidate you and he walks about seeking whom he may devour. So that means that by seeking who he may devour, then that means then obviously there must be some that he cannot devour. Because if there was everyone that he would, would be able to devour, he wouldn't have to be seeking them out. So he's looking for. When a lion is out there on the hunt, he seeks and looks for that weak, that weak deer or that weak animal in, in, in the whole uh, um, um, herd of whatever he's hunting. He looks for the weak one, looks for the children, looks for the young that he can easily seize upon. So the devil is walking about seeking who are the weak ones. We as children of God need to make sure that we are not the weak one, that we are not easy prey for the devil, because he is out there seeking to see who he can, whom he can devour. But he's sneaking around and doing that. You watch the National Geographic uh, uh, things, documentaries on TV, and you see the lion. I mean, he very rarely just comes on out to the plane like that and pounces on anything. He sneaks and lays low in the grass. Well, he sneaks and lays low in the grass of your life. Just when you think everything is going along so smooth and you relax, all is well, just got a raise, just got a promotion, just got a house, just got this, everything is really cool, and you relax, you, you relax yourself, you get away from reading the Word, you get away from praying, you stop blessing your food, you do all of these things and whatnot, you hear a sermon in church, oh, that sounds like Antilly, like I said before, but not looking where maybe God through that message is talking directly to you, and you get complacent. Oh, I'm good. I can recite the books in order from, from uh, Genesis to Revelation. And you go through and you recite them. You can pull scriptures out of there. But deep down in your heart, deep down in your spirit, when something comes up in your heart, something comes up in your life that's shaking you, you don't stand, you waffle. Then that goes to show you how much is the word really, really, really planted within your spirit. And because you've gotten complacent, you've gotten this kind of taking God for granted, that's when the sneak comes in and he starts devouring you. You've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant. Because he's out there walking about. Verse number 9 says, whom, um, whom steadfast, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Underline that. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The sneak comes in and he tells you because of the fact that, that if you're not remaining steadfast in the faith of God, he, and, 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 and you're not doing that, you start thinking the sneak comes and tells you, Yeah, you may call yourself a child of God, but this thing that's happening to you, it never happened to anybody else. You're the only one of God's children that has befallen this issue, that this issue has befallen. You're the only one that's wrestled with this. You're the only one that has the sickness. You're the only one that's struggling with finance. You're the only one, you're the only one, you're the only one, whatever it is. The sneak comes in and makes you think, well, gee whiz, this is a unique problem. How is God going to fix this? I'm the only one in the whole world that has this problem. Does God even know that I'm here? God doesn't know you're here. You don't live in a major metropolis in the country. You're in this little small town. God doesn't think you're here. So the sneak comes in and you start negating the whole concept, the whole word of God here that says that God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. He knows all things. God, God is, is omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. But the sneak will come and say, this is, this is too hard for God. God is too busy. And you'd be surprised how many times I've actually heard Christians paraphrase that to me and actually saying, but this, 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 God doesn't have time for me. That's not what the Word of God says. But the sneak will come in to make you think, the sneak will come and make you think you're by yourself. The sneak will make you think that God is not around to hear you. The sneak will make you believe that the Holy Spirit can't reside in me. The sneak will make you believe that, well, gee, was I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but those were just words. They were just words. How is that going to get me to heaven? How is that going to make me be saved? The sneak will make you doubt your salvation. The sneak will make you actually think that all is lost and why bother? 
The sneak will make you figure that, well, gee whiz, I've been going to church faithfully for the last umpteen years. I'm tithing, I'm giving, I'm, I'm, I'm giving to the Lord like the word of God says. God said if I give to him that I won't be cursed. He'll take away the curse. He'll open the windows of heaven. I've been giving, 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 and nothing and nothing has happened. The sneak will say to you, because you see, that's a fallacy. Because the word of God is not true. Well, why bother? I could put that money towards paying a bill, put that money towards paying the rent, the mortgage or whatever. The sneak will make you come in and believe that what God's word is saying is not indeed true. So the solution here then in verse number nine is, so resist steadfast fast in the faith. Resist by having your faith. And when these things are happening here, knowing that the same issues, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that is struggling with finance. I'm not the only one struggling with uh, infirmity. I'm not the only one that's struggling with family problems. I'm not the only one. But God has the answer. It says, and then verse 10, But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, after that you have suffered a while, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. All right? But the sneak will come in and say, well, gee whiz, I've been suffering and suffering and suffering. But the word of God says that after you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Okay? So while there may be something that you are struggling with, while there may be something, something that may be painful now that you're wrestling with, that you may struggle with it for a while. But remember that God has said, said already there that if you humble yourself before him, that he will exalt you, lift you up. Amen. The word of God says that he, after you suffer, he will make you perfect. He will establish you. He'll put an end to your problem. But the sneak comes in and he makes you sit back. And guess what? Well, this started Friday. It started Friday of 1978. And it's not answered. Still got the issue. The problem is still there. God made a promise to you. God made a promise to you. But the sneak will come in and say, well, how long has it been? How long has it been? Aren't you tired of waiting? Yeah, I get so close, but then all of a sudden, boom, the sneak will come in and say, well, God may be telling you that you're going to, Jesus is going to come back before he answers your problem and so forth. All right. But even if that was the case, if God had decided to wait until Jesus comes back, the word of God also says that he's going to supply all your needs. So whatever that thing is out there that the sneak is trying to make you believe God is not going to do, God is going to sustain you until he does whatever it is that he needs to do or whatever it is that you need done. But the sneak will come in and make you feel that it's, it's, it's a practice in futility. Why bother? It's been since last May. It's been since last so-and-so. The sneak will come in and tell you that it is fruitless. But the word of God says that you can't like make him, you can't let him steal, the sneak steal away from you. But the God of all peace who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish you, strengthen and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the sneak will also tell you, why should you glorify someone that's not even helping you? Why should you praise God? Because God said, and the sneak will make you forget this, the word of God, God said that I do what? I inhabit the praises of my people. But the sneak will make you think, why do you need to praise him? Because God said that he inhabits the praises of my people. So inhabits the praise of my people. What does that mean, Lord? You're talking fancy. What does that mean? It says that if you lift up praise to me, if you raise your hands to me, if you lift your voice to me, if you lift your heart to me, if you lift your spirit to me, and you praise me deeply, that I will be there. I'm not going to visit. I will inhabit. I will live among the praises of my people. But the sneak will come in and make you say, that's a waste of thing. Why should you start praising someone who's not there, first of all? You're praising him here in Salem, Oregon, but God is in Brazil, so he's not going to hear your voice. God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you've got these things going on in your life, one of the most effective things to do, if you can't think of the words to pray to God, just simply start praising him. And if you love the Lord, if you are indeed a born-again child of God, blood washed in you, 
made that profession, confession with your lips that Jesus Christ is my Lord and I believe he's the Son of God. And Lord Jesus, come into my life for I have sinned and I have just blown, I have made a mess. Lord Jesus, come into my life and take control. If you prayed that prayer and you believe it, then if you praise God, he's going to inhabit that praise. So while you may not know the words to put together to make a perfect prayer, Heavenly Father, I beseech thee, thou, and you can't come up with the, with the, with the words, the, the, the articulate, you know, words that to put to God, simply start praising him. Praising him. If you love the Lord enough to cut, confess him as Lord and Savior, then love him enough to praise him. It's not that hard. You can talk nice and lovingly to your husband, your wife, and your children, and other people in your family that you love. What about talking lovingly to God? Thanking Him. Thanking Him, thanking Him, if for nothing else, for the mere fact that, as a child of God, when He does take you home, you're going home for an eternity. That you're not going someplace else. So you praise God and you continually lift Him up. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The sneak is Satan himself. He sneaks about seeking those who are asleep at the wheel. Don't be asleep at the wheel. It's so easy, you know. The funny thing about it, I have known no one in my life. And I had some crazy friends as a youngster. No one in my life that got into their cars and said, okay, Mike, I'll see you a little later, I'm going to sleep. And dropped their head on the steering wheel and went to sleep. I don't know anyone, I don't think any of you know anyone that got behind the wheel of a car and purposely went to sleep. <laughs> okay? Everyone, including yourself, and I'm, all of us have been there one time where you were just so tired that maybe you caught yourself nodding or whatever, or caught the car drifting into another lane. That is one scary feeling. Driving home, and all of a sudden you're home and you realize that before you got to your doorstep that there were three stop signs that you normally pass, and not recalling stopping at one of those signs. Now, many ch- times, chances are that you did stop, but you just it's such a routine in your life that you don't even, just don't even think about it. But the point of making is that no one willfully falls asleep behind the wheel. So when you fall asleep at the wheel, you don't even realize it. You're just kind of drifting off. You're drifting off. You feel yourself a- a- awake. You feel like you're awake, but you're, but you're actually drifting off. Watching a very good movie on television, you stand there, you want to see this movie so badly, and all of a sudden you, you catch yourself, huh, what happened? The war is over, the captives are back in home and everything. How did that happen? You didn't see the battle or any of that. I mean, you just went to sleep on it. You didn't realize you went to sleep. Well, that's where the devil, that's where the sneak is. The devil is the same way. He just sneaks into you like where you don't realize that it's happening. But you get comfortable. You sit on your couch, you're watching this movie, you put your feet up, maybe you got some popcorn, some snacks, or a drink or something, Coke juice or whatever, and you're just sitting back and you're really relaxed. Not a care in the world. I'm sitting, oh boy, I'm going to enjoy this good movie. And then sleep sneaks in. Well, the same way sleep sneaks in, the sneak sneaks into your life to steal your blessings, to get you away. It's so easy for all of us to fall away or to backslide. Because the sneak comes in when we are the most aware, unaware. Go to the book of Jude. Praise the living God. Book of Jude. Jude 1. Yeah, the sneak is sneaky, all right. Yeah, and that's the sneak's biggest weapon against us, especially against us children of God. You see? For someone who is not saved, the sneak doesn't have to be so sneaky because of the fact that person is already off doing their thing anyway. You know, the sneak doesn't have to be that sneaky for those people that aren't really understanding the word of God. He will pop up in in, in the way of um, he'll pop up in the way in the way of a holiday. The sneak will pop up in the way of Halloween. Because so many people today think that it's acceptable. It's a point where they probably would like to make it a national holiday if they could. So the people who are unbelievers, the sneak doesn't have to be as sneaky. Because they've already accepted him. They've already taken him in. But he will be deceitful 
But he's to the point that these people are not believing anyway. So they go on believing, like I said before, when I first started here, the sneak gets in and makes you believe that something that you're doing is right when really it's wrong, according to the word of God. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole Halloween sermon and things like that. And Halloween is certainly not called out in the word of God, but it's the word of God certainly calls out certain behaviors, certain customs. Certain things that are, 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 a fact of, are a fact of reality where God told us and warned us to stay away from because of very specific reasons. See, but the sneak will come in and make you think no such thing as spirits. No such thing as evil. Oh, it's OK. It's OK. It's OK. It's OK. And God tells us about the, 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 the reality of the spiritual realm. How can you tell me out of one side of your face that you believe in God? And you praise God and you worship God and you just say, oh, my loving heavenly father. Then on the other hand, say there's no such thing as spirits. Well, guess what? God is a spirit. Hello. But you say one thing out of one side of your mouth that you believe or don't believe something else. The word of God speaks truth to us. But the sneak will get in there and make you believe this is okay. Other people are doing it. Your uncle does it. Your cousin does it. Maybe when you were a child, you did it because you didn't know better. Your parents didn't know better. Amen. The sneak comes in and says, oh, well, well, gee whiz, that other church does it. I know so-and-so that's a Christian and a child of God, and they do it. What does the word of God say? So do you want to call, fall victim to the sneak? Now. I'd much rather be called a Puritan. I'd much rather be called a Jesus freak. I'd much rather rather be called one of those born again nuts and live by the, 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 the actual word of God, the literal word of God, than to risk opening the door for myself or my family where the sneak can come in and start wreaking havoc in your life simply because of the fact that you decided to follow the lead of others. But this is how the sneak works. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to disbelieve. He wants you to simply believe that what I'm hearing is true, regardless of what the word of God says. You see, that's how the sneak comes in. And this is not a new problem. This goes back at least 2000 years, at least. Now, if you really want, this is a whole separate sermon. I mean, I can take you back 5000 or better. But we're just looking at New Testament, particularly now, because we're going to the book of Jude. But this is not a new issue. These are the same old spirits, but in very new clothing. I wrote an article on that some years ago. Old spirits, but in new clothing, because they're presenting themselves in a modernized way. They're presenting themselves in the things that we do and hear and see and witness in the 21st century as opposed to presenting themselves the way they did in, a, in, in a 2,000 years ago or even 5,000 years ago. But God is the same yesterday and forever, yesterday, today, and forever. That means past, present, and future. So that means what his word is talking about is a universal truth. It didn't just exist for 5,002 B.C. Other parts went defunct in 100 A.D., and now in 2012, uh, 18 A.D., it's totally all gone. Because the sneak would have many believe that. But we see how sneaky he can be. Jude chapter 1, verse number 1. Jude the servant, Jude the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Please underline contend. You should earnestly or really fervently contend for the faith. OK, contending means to, to, to fight for, to, to, to stand for. OK, um, if you are into boxing, if you ever watch the boxing match, you will hear sometimes the announcer announce the boxers are saying the contender, the contenders are coming out. OK, someone that is striving for. OK, it says earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
The saints are you. This is not St. Peter, St. Bartholomew and whatever those other churches call them. This is you. A child of God, a born again, a Christian is, is a saint. Verse number four. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Underline that. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Now what is crept in unawares? Crept means to creep. It means to sneak. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old. Before of old, that means of way in times past, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, underline, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Highlight or, or bracket that whole verse number four. There are certain men crept in unawares, they creeped in unawares, they snuck in, they sneaked in, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, but they sneaked in, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sneak. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Underline all of that. Afterward destroyed them that believe not. You see, now talking about sneaking, I mean, my, my gosh, ancient Israel, when they were uh, uh, led out of Egypt, they saw the signs and the wonders, they saw the miracles of God. They saw all of that. Yes, so you know the story there. They kept, they kept contending with Moses back and forth there and contending with God. It's called, it's called in the Bible, theologically it's called the, uh, the days of provocation where they just were provoking God because going back and forth all the sin, all the evil. They saw God in action. Yes, so they believed not. They had people in the crowd there that, that were under Moses' leadership, people in the crowd that where, where the, 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 the sneak had gotten in. The sneak got in, even though they had seen God's miracles, they saw the pillar of fire, they saw the cloud before them, behind them. They saw all of that. They, they, they were fed miraculously. They had water, even though they saw all of that. The sneak got in there and had them do what? Build a golden calf to worship. The sneak got in there and said, well, gee whiz, God led you out here to die. Through Moses, God took you out here to die. And they said, why did we have to leave Egypt? We had all that comfort back there. We were slaves, but we had food. You were beaten like crazy, but we had water. You were whipped on your back to make straw without uh, bricks and things, without the proper uh, 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 tools and ingredients. But yes, oh man, we were safe. We were back in Egypt. Why not go back to Egypt? The sneak got in there and had them to, to, to want to negate everything that God was showing them. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. God has done miraculous things in your life. Maybe not to the point of seeing a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke leading you through your life, but God has done wonderful things. Now, you think back to the times that God has blessed you. Everyone sitting here in this sanctuary has been blessed by God at one time or another, at least one time or another. You think back to that. But how easy is it for the sneak to get into your life to make you forget about all that and negate it to want you to go back to where you used to be before you knew the Lord and to start doubting him? All right? It goes on to say, it says, yeah, verse 5 again real quickly. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Verse number 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. The angels. The angels. They let the sneak get to them. Because of the fact that the, that, the, that the sneak at that time was one of the lead angels. He was the angel Lucifer that worked, that led the angels in praising God. The word of God says that he was a beautiful angel. He got puffed up with his own beauty and pride stepped in. And so the sneak stepped in because he wanted to ascend to the throne of God. The sneak got in there and talked to the other angels and, and, and they followed the sneak. They follow, this is where it's saying, and the angels which kept not their first estate, their first state of being, which was angelic host, but left their own habitation, heaven, left their own habitation, he hath reserved, God has reserved them in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. So even they, the angels, followed the sneak. So he hasn't changed his stripes. He does the same thing down on this earth. He does the same thing to you. He does it to you. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, flesh, 
are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here the sneak got into that city, those cities, and perverted them, and perverted them, perverted them to the sinful practices that they had that persist unto this day. That's why I said old spirits, new clothing. Same sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, the same spirits have persisted and exist today in our civilization to the point that it's acceptable. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but nothing in the word of God supports that. And I will say to anyone that's listening to this in this podcast here that God loves those who are following that way of life. God loves the homosexual. God loves them. But that act is abominable according to God's word. But the sneak has gotten in there, and this is proof positive, proof of my point. The sneak has gotten in there and made this to be such an acceptable thing now that is written into law and it's gone further and further and further because it is away from the word of God. But the sneak has gotten in there and he's shown, he's made them believe that this is okay. I was born this way. There's actually a gene for it. The sneak is insidious because that now becomes a fact getting further and further away from the word of God. You can look around, you look at how we're living today, and you can see where, where the things that are, are in existence can be traced right back to biblical times. Ancient, ancient old spirits presenting themselves in new clothing. And the sneak is doing the same thing. He's presenting himself in a brand new tuxedo. He's presenting himself as a way of life that is so desirable. He is presenting himself even as a way of life that if you follow what I am promulgating, what I am confessing and what I am saying to do, suggesting to do, that the whole world will be saved. There should be no borders. God said, Abraham, Lot, I will give you the borders from so-and-so to so-and-so, from so-and-so to so-and-so. God had borders. God set up borders. But not today. The sneak says, this is one world. You're welcome to everybody. Bring everyone in. Don't you feel sorry? Don't you feel sorry for or any compassion for, empathy for? Yes, I do. And the way I solve the problem is by praying that they too shall come to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That they shall come to know God, the one God, the only God. That they shall come to know El Shaddai. That is my prayer. God would have us to pray for those who do not understand who he is. Same old spirits but brand new clothing presenting themselves today. And if you open your eyes and look around you and look at what's happening in the world and in the country, you will see exactly what the word of God prophesied would indeed be happening. But the sneak would come in to say to you, this is okay. If you don't care for people, if you don't love little children, if you don't want to see people without work, everyone should just have a job. Government, just give everyone a job. Why well, I should say, no, what they're saying is a pay. The word of God says you don't work, you don't eat. Not my words, the word of God. You cannot fix man's issues with man's reasoning. You can't fix mindless compassion by simply just saying to do away with the word of God. The word of God, God says the things that he says so that he can build in us a desire to strive, a desire to create, a desire to have some thoughts guided by his Holy Spirit. Not that if you don't think my thoughts, another man, that you are now a sinner, you're a this, you're a that, you're every word under the sun because you don't agree with me. But what about if we agree with God? Old spirits. Very old spirits, but new clothing. The sneak is in there. The sneak is there. People don't even realize what it is that he is doing because we just go blindly, blindly following. You must, you must contend for the faith because there is that challenge of fighting against you to take it. He's trying to take your faith. As I said before, a boxer is one who is fighting for a, a, a prize. 
The angels didn't resist, as I said, Lucifer. The inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, you see what happened to them. We need to keep our faith with all diligence. In getting to winding down, let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. The sneak is out there. Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll go to verse number 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Okay? Listen to my words. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are like they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Put a bracket or highlight twenty, twenty one and twenty two. Okay? Hear my words in verse twenty. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep God's eye, God's words in your eyes. Keep them in your heart. Remember them, keep them in your spirit, for they are life unto you. And health to to all flesh. You think God would be saying that just God is is, is, uh, having these proverbs written and he's saying, oh, let me dictate this to to, to David or Solomon. Let me dictate this. There are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Wow, that's cool. That sounds cool. That sounds pretty good. God doesn't think that. God is telling us a fact. His words are life to those that find them. Amen. But the sneak would come in and tell you, oh, well, I can read the Bible later. I can read it tomorrow. I can read it next week. You know, besides, I've got the coffee, got the the Bible on the coffee table It's right there anytime I need it. (laughs) You go open the thing and dust flies out, spiders and moths. It hasn't been open in so long. (laughs) Amen. But it looks nice on the coffee table. I got a real leather bound, pretty edition. It's about five inches thick, heavy. All right. But, 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 but keep those words of God alive. Verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Watch your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, diligently watch what's going in and out of your spirit. Your heart biblically is your spirit. Keep your heart with all diligence. Make some effort to it, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life, the things that are going on in your life, stemming from your heart, how your spirit is believing, how you are believing. Whether or not you're choosing to let the sneak get into your life. Verse number 24 says, um, put, away all, uh, put, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. Clean up your language. Okay? Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips um, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Think about where you're going. Think about where you're heading. And let God direct your path. Where am I going to be next week? Where am I going to be in three years? Where am I going to be in five years? What's my plan? I got a family growing up. I've got this going on. I'm in this position. I'm doing this. Where am I going to be in three years? Then after you start thinking about that, then you say, okay, Lord, establish my path. Okay? Because once you decide that there's a path that I want to take, oh, my Lord, gee whiz, the minute you start saying that, oh, man, there's a path I want to take. You got some paper. I'm going to sit down. I'm really going to do this now the way Management 101 teaches me. I'm going to draw pros and cons and start doing that. Boy, big time does the sneak come in. Because the sneak will then come in and have you list everything that someone in the world would do. But have you list everything without once praying to God or letting Holy Spirit guide you. Ponder thy path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. By God, that is. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove, uh, remove thy foot from evil. Don't let yourself fall victim to the sneak. Amen? Then we see here in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, first book of Timothy. Praise the living God. 1 Timothy Chapter 4.
chapter four, verse number one. Now the spirit speaks expressly. Then in the latter times, some some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Highlight or underline all of that, because that says it all right there. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, give up the faith, giving heed or listening to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They'll be listening to people and things that are saying to do something and to go a particular certain way that is so out of line with the word of God that some, if they're not careful, will wind up even just falling away from church altogether. Just falling away. Because these seducing spirits, that sneak is out there almost kind of telling you. Well, You see, what, what they will do is that they will never come out and actually just say to you that you need to stop going to church. They won't do that. The sneak will come in here along with those seducing spirits and just start proposing things to you or making you see that other things are more attractive to do on a Sunday. That things or what the Bible is saying, that is so um, old fashioned. We live in the 21st century today. So the church today is preaching so and so and so and so. So therefore, I'm not going to go. This, as a matter of fact, has gotten some churches to modify their doctrine to go along with the times. I've heard some churches actually say we need to change our services, we need to change our doctrine so we can attract more younger people. Bringing God down to the level of the whims and the ways and the fashions of man, rather than trying to lift man up to God's level. These are seducing spirits, you see. But they'll go and say, gee, we want to get more people, so we're going to stop preaching what we preach, and we're going to water it down, and we're going to change it. Oh, I got an idea. You know, since we got this whole feminist movement out there, let's change everything in the Bible from he to she or they. Why should God just be a man? Don't you know out there now there's the Me Too movement? So we got to adjust our services to make sure that we're preaching what it is to attract the people. You see, these are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received in thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Oh, gee, meatless Friday. Meatless Friday. Can't eat meat, can't eat meat. Decades go by, decades go by, all of a sudden the tendon starts falling. Okay, people want to eat meat. It is now okay to eat meat. You can't be dictating God's word back and forth like that. Who gave you the authority to say that you can't even meet the word of God, didn't? Yes, so they take it upon themselves, think they have the authority to change what the word of God is saying, just to go along and get along with man's current lifestyle. The sneak is in there, forbidding to marry. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. The food is sanctified by the word of God and your prayer. In other words, saying your grace. The latter times shall depart from the faith in the latter times because of the sneak and seducing spirits. Just flip right over here to Second Timothy chapter 4 again. It's interesting that the word of God would be talking so much along these lines if it wasn't indeed true. Or something that would be coming about because we're seeing it happen right now. Second Timothy, chapter four. Second Timothy, chapter four, verse uh, one. I charge thee, therefore. Wait till everyone, everyone gets there. Praise God. I don't want anyone to miss the words. Praise the living God. Second chapter, uh, second Timothy, chapter four, verse number one. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, or diligent. Be diligent in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Long-suffering is patience and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Underline that. For the time will come when they will not endure sound, sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, shall they keep to themselves teachers, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, because of the fact that people will not endure what the word of God is really, really saying, they will want to follow after their own lust, after their own desires, and start bringing on them people that will, that will, will, will talk to those desires and to those lunch. They will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. 
They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Okay? You see? And that's exactly what we're saying because there are those that would say, how can you go and believe that stuff of an invisible being that says so-and-so and so-and-so? I mean, that, um, gee whiz, the Red Sea crossing? Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, that was but a, that's a, a, I mean, actually they crossed in about, what is it, one writing has it, in about three inches of water. I mean, it was no, okay? So, so turning all of that stuff into fables. The flood of Noah, Noah's flood. Everything is, is a fable. Turning away from the truth. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou, underline, watch. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, underline. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. And then he goes, I have fought a good fight. And he's talking about he knows that his time for execution is coming up and so on. But the key words in here is watch thou in all things. Okay, because it says in verse number three, the time has come when they will not endure. They will not stand for sound doctrine, but will go after their own lusts. Hiring people or bringing men in who are willing to preach that nonsense. And then taking the truth that is spoken in the word of God and turning it into a, into a uh, uh, fable. So what can we do after reading all of this? First of all, we need to be on fire for God. Okay? And we see here in Revelation 3, we see out a few more scriptures here. Revelation 3. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3. And just start with verse number 14. Okay. And unto the angel of the church. Of, of, of the, I'm sorry. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write. These things saith the Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. Okay? So that thou art neither cold nor hot, but I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Okay? Underline verse number 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with, with um, eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent." Amen. So God is saying that I would rather you were, 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 were hot or cold. Either be for me or either just be totally against me. But don't be lukewarm. Don't be one of these, you know, part-time Christians where I'm here today and tomorrow I'm gone or whatever whim uh, comes up. I'd rather that you be on fire or just be totally against me. Okay. And then he goes on to say that, 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 that because you say I'm rich and increased with goods in verse 17, you know, um, you, you have need of nothing. This is the person that thinks that they have it all, and so therefore I need nothing. He said that is the person that is in the worst state of being. When they start thinking that because I have all of these things, I've accumulated all of these things. That's why I say it's so important that when we've been praying for a job or praying for a car or a house or whatever it is that we're praying for or healing, and then you get that healing... You get that house, you get that car, you get that job when you get it. Don't turn away from God. Don't think, okay, now I've got it. All is good. I can just go on and do my thing now because God has blessed me and so on like that. Uh-uh. No, it doesn't work that way. It works that way. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and now and, and know it's not that thou art wretched. You don't realize that you're wretched and you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. And God says, I counsel you, or the advice I give you is to buy of me the gold that is tried in fire. In other words, you look for the God, look to God for those things that are truly, truly visible. Uh, um, I'm sorry, truly, truly important. Truly, truly of, of, of value. Because the new job you got, the new car you got, the new house, the whatever that you got, that can all go away. They all disappear. You let mankind 
let the governing bodies, in their wisdom, decide to change a law or decide to create a law and everything that you had could just disappear and go away overnight. So you think because 1929, this year, the year 1929, when the stock market crashed, hundred people jumped out of windows and committed suicide. For the life of me, I would never understand that. I would never understand that. I don't care if everything was gone, that, that, that you want to take your life, you see. But these are those who were rich and they had and they thought that that was the sum total of being, of existing. But God says here in verse 18, I counsel you or urge you or give you advice to buy of me gold that is tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, um, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness be, do not appear. And I and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. That's what's important. Those are the important things of life. We need to be on fire. We can't have wavering faith. We must hold fast. If we hold fast, we can enter into God's rest. But you've got to hold fast. We cannot just let the sneak sneak in and steal what God has given you. Joy, blessings, prosperity, health, strength. Victory over all things. You have to hold on to the faith. You simply cannot just let yourself give in. You've got to be on your P's and Q's. You've got to be on your guard. Because believe me, trust me, you know, there's no such thing as any of us flying under the radar. Oh, I don't preach. I'm not a minister. I'm not an evangelist. I don't have this big, important job in the body of Christ. The sneak is not going to bother me. The sneak is not going to do this, is not going to do that. Well, you're the very one then with that kind of attitude that the sneak would indeed encounter because of the fact that you don't think who you are in Christ Jesus. The fact that you are who you are in Christ Jesus, the fact that you've given yourself to, 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 to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that makes you a very, very important person in the body of Christ. And we all have a purpose. We all have a reason for being called. And we all have a reason that we all submitted and came to the Lord. So be on your guard. Do not let the sneak come into your life in, in all sorts of other costumes and other forms. Be, be aware. Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessed, blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.